Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. Great to be here. I hope you all feel the same way. I'm uh, I'm Nick Colace, the host, and she's Heather Eastman over here, a personal trainer, all around athletic know-it-all. Is that? That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Akia, aka athletic all know-it-all. Athletic know-it-all. I like that. <laughs> Can we put that on like a nameplate on the desk. We we can yes and. Today we're talking with the 19th fittest man in the world, officially. Officially. Unofficially, you're probably first, right? For sure. Yeah, at least in our hearts. We'll find out this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his name is Saxon Panchik. Uh, it's uh, maybe the strongest name we've had on this podcast. That's a good... Is it, are you named after Arthur Saxon, the old strong man? Yes. You think so? No, no. I, I like to think so. <laughs> have you heard of Arthur Saxon? No. Okay, but so he yeah. sounds like a cool guy. And uh, and we have already established he has never lifted a Saxon bar, which is a uh, barbell named after Arthur Saxon. Not it's an a energy rectangular bar. barbell. You need to get one, man. I, I'm going to order one this week. <laughs> Excellent. Sarnex makes the finest Saxon bar in the world. It's a grip grip implement. I would say not anything you want to probably clean and jerk anytime soon, but it's it's got its uses. That's the know. limits. <laughs> um, so so Saxon is a CrossFit athlete, bodybuilding.com team athlete, a relatively new gym owner, right? Also right. at age, at age what? 23. At, I just turned 23. Okay. And you've, you've had, you and your brother own a gym okay. for, for how long? Um, so we opened our gym up in the December of last year. So we've been open for about six months and we're loving every second of it. Wow. So that's, that's, that's an ambitious project opening up a gym at that age, but it doesn't, doesn't sound like you are new to hanging out in gyms. It sounds like you've kind of been hanging out in gyms your whole life. Uh, yeah. So um, since my I, since I was walking and I could talk, my dad had me in the gym. Um, and it started with regular just weightlifting and like super light stuff. When, when just, you were barely able to walk. When I was like seven. <laughs> I mean, he had me doing everything. Um, when you were seven? Yeah. So, did, did he own a gym? N- no. Okay. Um, but he was a diehard. Like he was in the gym every morning at 5 a.m. working out. Huh. Um, and I have six siblings as well who were in a lot of sports. So um, my siblings are all 10 years older than me. And then it goes down to like eight. So he always had us working out with them and going to their training camps. And we were always fighting to try and keep up with them and everything, which I think was great though, because it always was pushing our boundaries for our age because, mm-hmm. you know, we always wanted to try and beat them. Uh, which was cool. So he got us in the gym as soon as we could walk and we were doing some weight lifting again, super light. Um, and then he opened up a gym when I turned about 14 or 15, um, in Pittsburgh. Hmm. So what what kind of gym was that? Would you say that was a CrossFit gym? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he didn't go by CrossFit at the time. Um, that was still when CrossFit was still Mm -hmm. up and coming and he ended up selling that to move out to Ohio to help my older brother open up a gym. And we decided to move out there junior year of high school. So we went to school out there and then we were training out there with him as well. Mm. So, so now I have, I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and they train with me in my garage gym all the time. But, you know, it's like the ideas of sets and reps is yeah. completely foreign to them. Like they swing on the rings for a while and then uh-huh. they play around. They'll like lift one thing three or four times, just constantly kind of going between things. Was that, I mean, was that kind of what you were like as well? Or were you like, no, I want to do some, I want to do a hard set of six. I wanted to just beat my older brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Just like lift the same weight that they could or? It it wasn't the same weights Mm -hmm. by any means. There was this once, it was a squat machine and we called it Quadzilla. Mm -hmm. And um, we would get on there and we would do max reps. And of course they would toss like 225, 315 on it. And we would just go on there. It was just an empty machine. And I remember going on there one time 
And I think my older brother hit like 50 reps. And then Spence, <laughs> my twin brother, went on there and hit like 60. I was like, all right. And I just kept going. And I, I ended up <laughs> hitting like 100. Listen. I was like, yep. that's it. <laughs> no, no. This doesn't sound like CrossFit necessarily. This, no. This sounds vaguely like bodybuilding. <laughs> Children. That's definitely where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, but by our age, we weren't old enough to put on any mass. So right. a lot of it was more just functional fitness and like lunging and push-ups and lunge. Um, back squats, Mm -hmm. a little bit of benching, but nothing that was really going to put us in a position to hurt ourselves. Uh, We were more trying to work on um, just being an athlete. I remember one time we were playing dodgeball with yoga balls in the gym, and it was just keeping things fun (laughs) like that and Mm -hmm. fresh. And um, I think that's just the most important thing with any type of training is keeping things fun and enjoying the process. Sure. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, like, how soon did you feel like you actually saw this pay off in the sports that you loved? Were you like, oh, my God, I'm so good at tetherball after I started, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> throwing things, or medicine balls around in the gym? So I, I was always on the short end of the stick because where my birthday falls, every single sport that I played, I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. So, like, I never got to play football, basketball, um, any of these sports with my friends, I was always up. So I was like 12 years old and I was playing with like the 15 year olds. And I was like, I was just like a little boy there. So like I was always getting pushed past my limits, um, which I think was great because it was forcing me to set my expectations higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It just makes me wonder, like your, your, your whole family kind of working at, you have multiple competitive CrossFit athletes in the family. Mm-hmm. Like, your parents must be really interesting people. <laughs> like just to be able not only to ins- inspire your children to actually work that hard physically, mm-hmm. but just to, um, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of commitment in, in, yeah. in your family. Yeah. Like what are, what are your parents like? Um, they're amazing. Um, they support us 100% in whatever we wanted to do. And that just kind of went from school and even making our move from Pittsburgh to Ohio, um, junior year of high school yeah. and senior year of high school. Having to switch schools at that time can be very challenging. And they're like, hey, like, if you don't want to do this, like, we are totally okay with that. If you do want to do it, we want you to know, like, we're full in with you. So we were like, you know what? I want to be able to compete in CrossFit. Eventually, I want to be able to open up a gym. And I decided to pick up and move with them. And we Hmm. moved to Ohio. And I was able to go through that full process with my brother of him opening up a gym, the do's and the don'ts of what to do, what you could change, and mm-hmm. um, even training-wise, how to program for yourself and how to program for people for your gym that aren't so competitive. Mm-hmm. So, like, I spent four to five years just training and working underneath them, not just as an athlete, but as a business owner. And recently, this past year, I was like, hey, like, I feel pretty good that I could do this on my own. So me and my twin brother decided to pick up, and we moved about 40 minutes down the road to open up our own gym. Hmm. And yeah. this is your brother, Scott, that you're talking about? Uh, who was Spencer, Spencer's who you open the gym with. Yeah, Spencer, my twin brother, is who I open the gym with. And then my older brother, Scott, is the one that I trained under for a while. Okay. Okay. Who's a very accomplished CrossFit athlete in his own right. Yeah. Right? And has been kind of a regular for almost the last decade, pretty much. At pretty the close, game. yeah. Mm-hmm. See yeah. if you can get 10. I believe the word dynasty was thrown around. Dynasty. In one, of the, oh, okay. one of the research articles I read. Now, I want to ask you a question about that. Do you feel like having kind of mentored under your brother and now you've opened up your own gym – Obviously, it helps, but is was there any way that it hindered you, or was there any way that you had to kind of be like, okay, now I have to establish myself in my own right? Um, initially, yes, I thought that, um, but I think everybody as individuals have different um, methodologies on how they want to approach things. So, however you set the tone for your gym is how everybody else is going to step into it. If you 
open up the gym and you're like, hey, I want this to be a competitive gym and like we're accepting people that want to compete, then that's exactly what you're going to draw. And if you're like, hey, like we're focusing on creating a community and making this a fun place and just getting fit, then that's what you're going to draw in. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we um, focused more towards was pulling people in that just want to get better and just get fit rather than the competitive side because the competitive side can get um, a little selfish where you're coming in, you're like, hey, like I'm working out, I can't talk. Like, no, I, I don't ever want that in my gym. I want a community where you're in there supporting each other, you're going to each other's competitions, you're cheering them on in workouts. And that's really what we try to create in our gym. Mm. Well, that's good. That's one of the things I love most about CrossFit is that mm. it creates a very, very strong community. Absolutely. Now, what would you say is the biggest kind of difference that you've done in your gym that you, you, your brother didn't do, your dad didn't do? Like, what, what do you think sets you apart? It's just, it's, I mean, you open a gym, obviously, because yeah. you want yeah. to control the playlists, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just got to be the music. People, but people don't like my music. Yeah. Everybody wants, like, like explicit music and this and that. And I'm like, guys, we got kids in here. We got to keep yeah. it clean. <laughs> um, but, no, I think there isn't anything specific that I could say um, separates us from them because, again, we all grew up the same. We all have the same, I'd, I'd say, thought process on, like, what we're trying to create. Um, but I'd say the biggest difference is taking the things that he wish he could have changed and – turning that around into something that can help the business um, take off a little quicker. And I would say the biggest thing for us was um, opening up the gym and being like, hey, we have two free weeks, come in and just try it out. And it was before we even had our grand opening and we already had people in the door signed up. And that allowed us to kind of get off our feet rather than like, hey, like we're charging this and like this is our grand opening. You're either in or you're out. There's no in between. And I thought that really helped us take off pretty quick. That's a really good tip, yeah. And the name of your gym is? CrossFit Cliffside. Cliffside. To my knowledge, there aren't any cliffs in the uh, Cleveland suburbs, are they? Are there? No. no there's. So is this a reference to your, to your incident? incident, yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how that kind of steered the course of your life. Yeah, so that's actually how we got into CrossFit. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said before, we were doing a lot of traditional kind of like bodybuilding stuff in the gym. Or, just, let's just call it lifting. Lifting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're doing a lot of lifting. Um so it was 2009, I believe, and I was 12 years old. Um, I went to a park with five or six of my friends, and we were hiking, and it looked over the river in um, Pittsburgh, and the path gave way, and the girl that we were with ended up falling off a 75-foot cliff. Oh, the path actually kind of collapsed? Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she was laying down on the bottom, and, like, she was face down and, like, initially like being so young I didn't know like what happened like I was kind of like shocked and I was like mm -hmm. like stand up you're okay and like she was unresponsive I was like okay like I got to go down there and make sure she's okay so I began to try and attempt to go down and get her and I ended up slipping too and I fell off the cliff as well um, I ended up getting a skull fracture because I landed on my head and then I was passed out at the bottom so there's two of us at the bottom now and my twin brother's like I got to go down there too. So he tried to go another way and he ended up falling off a hundred foot cliff. Um, so he ended up coming down there not too far from us. And there was just three of us laying down there and we had a couple of our friends at the top. And again, they were just shocked. They didn't right. know what to do. So like, again, I'm, I'm out of it. I'm not too sure exactly what happened with him, but um, I just remember looking over and seeing Spencer and a branch like impelled his leg where it like took a, big 
chunk of meat out of his leg to where you could see his femur. And he tried to like run over to me and he didn't realize what happened because he was in shock and he ended up collapsing. And then I ended up passing out after I saw that. I was like, I can't look at that. Uh, So he was able to call 911 and they located us through a GPS. And my brother, um, sorry, 911 called in my house and told my mom, hey, your kids fell off a cliff and we can't find them. So again, hearing that, you're like, what the heck? Like, right. why would you call me and tell me? Like, not why would you call me, but like, w- like, what could we do? So my brother ended up taking off going to the park we were at. This and is he, your brother, Scott? No, I have another brother, okay. Stephen. Uh, many, many brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was the first one to the park. And I remember answering my phone um, and he was like, what do you, what's around you? I was like trees. And there was like this little fence at the bottom. So he ended up finding where we were at, came up and he was the first one there. And he was able to lead the um, rescue team to finding us. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so, so after that, uh, yeah. So going through the process of that, um, we couldn't go to school for the rest of the year. And, um, again, we were very into sports and our doctors told us like, Hey, you can no longer play contact sports. If you get a hit in the head again, like we don't know what could happen. And we laid at home for six months and couldn't move at all. So once we were finally able to move, couldn't play contact sports, my dad started CrossFit. Uh, And he was doing it in a YMCA, throwing some weights around. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, guys, like, I really think you would enjoy this. So um, every morning at 9 a.m., we would load the whole family up and we would go down to CrossFit Pittsburgh. And that's kind of where it all started. Hmm. And we used it as a training tool to kind of rehab from our accident. Sure. So so, so why why uh, why do you still gravitate toward that? That term cliffside and what is what does that mean to you as a way to sort of wear it on your sleeve? So um, you can look at it as two negative ways or two ways. Um, One could be a negative. One could be a positive. One could be like, hey, this is this changed my life and um, I can no longer play contact sports. Or you can think about it as, hey, this created all these opportunities for me. Mm -hmm. And I like to go towards the positive. Like I, I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for that happening. And I wouldn't be opening up a gym if that wasn't happening. And so I like to think that's like an anchor for everything that was created after that. Right, right. So I mean, and it's, and it's you know, it's the, the idea is functional fitness, right? Um, it kind of makes sense when you think about like what your brother did for you is almost yeah. like that. Like, yeah, he, he was out there looking for you, climbing over things, mm-hmm. carrying bodies. That's the original yeah. kind of functional yeah. fitness, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was crazy because the rescue team was like, ah, oh, my back's sore. I can't carry that up there and like this and that. And like, he's like, are you like, this, this is your job. Like you need to be able to do this. So like my, ended, my brother ended up carrying two stoke baskets up. It was like a 200 foot heel this way. And then it was like a cliff here. Oh, and so you weren't at the bottom. You were like, we were on a ledge. Oh, wow. yeah. So it was like a hill ledge and then what we fell off of, which was more vertical. So he was able to carry these all the way up. And again, that that's farmer's carries. Uh, right. That's strong, man. That's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that you're seeing more and more towards even like first responders. That's why, like, we like to give a discount to those first responders because those guys should be in the gym because that's your job. And like, you need to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's how tr- CrossFit really tr- got a hold of people is mm-hmm. it started with firefighters, police officers, first responders, military. military and that's like, and then people kind of saw like, wait a second, we can do these. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've opened the door of this really high level elite, you know, functional fitness. And I think that was the great thing that CrossFit did was like, you know, you could have easily started with like the average person that is trying to do fitness, but I don't think it would nearly have the name. Like you start with the elite. It's like, 
Navy SEALs, firefighters, military police, like these guys use this training to become great at what they do. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to start with um, people that have no fitness experience, I don't think it would have ever grown into that. Now, what you're starting to see is like, hey, like this is what it can become, but this is also what you can start at to become that, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. Sure. But you're also really deep in the specific sport of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like as you've gone deeper and deeper into like, all right, I'm going for the games. I'm really, I'm trying to get to the most elite level of this sport Yeah, that it, you have to sort of keep that base of functionality in there? Or do you just find that the deeper in you go, you're like, I just, I really feel like I can do anything. Yeah. I mean, I like to think this, this is taking all types of training. Um, we were talking about it earlier in an interview that, you know, every athlete that's with bodybuilding uses some type of CrossFit for training and um, they, it carries over and absolutely everything. Like I said, farmers carry stones over our shoulders, um, grappling, like, the Navy SEALs use that for their training. Like it, it all carries over into absolutely everything. Um, so I don't like to think that <clears throat> it's just going towards just CrossFit where I'm like, hey, this is only like um, the best of the best in the elite. And like, this is all I can think of. I think opening a gym and being in the position where I'm like the top of the sport I can kind of say, hey, this is where I started. I started with a PVC pipe. I started using sandbags rather than, and I started with that and I was able to become this. And that, I think that really opens up a lot of people's eyes because most people that are competitive that come into my gym, they're like, oh, you were snatching, you know, 155 at 15. I'm like, no, no, I wasn't. Like I was using a PVC pipe and an empty barbell. I didn't start to use any weights until I was three, four years in. I didn't get any of my gymnastics down until I was three, four years in. Mm. And they're kind of like, oh, wow, like, okay, like I can become great at this too if this is where you started. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, what, yeah, th- this idea of, of an RX is always looming out there in CrossFit. Or did you, I hate did, that. Did you do RX? <laughs> are you RXing even as a verb? Like, how, what's your relationship with that like? I don't even, I don't even like using the term RX in my gym. So, like, when we write times down on the board, I don't put RX next to anything, I just put their times. And the reason I do that is no matter your age or your um, skill levels in CrossFit, we're trying to create a stimulus of I want everybody to hurt equally as much and I want you to accomplish this amount of work as this person did. So like comparing myself to my dad who's 63 years old, I want to be able to create a race that I'm finishing a workout in six minutes and He's pushing the pace to try and beat me in like 535, nah, You want him to do 601. 601. You want to beat him. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's listening to this. Um, but yeah, I want to be able to create a race with everyone. And that's that's where you get results is pushing each other rather than someone being six minutes and someone being 12 minutes. And I talk a lot about, I don't even like to call it scaling, I call it modifying to your skill level um, and eventually being able to build that up. Mm-hmm. So like I said, creating that stimulus where it's a race and everybody's getting the same results. Mm-hmm. So, so do you personally um, find yourself sometimes scaling back from RX? You're like, you know what, today it just makes more sense for me to not do that. Oh, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's stuff that people don't see. And my RX might be someone's um, RX plus or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, your body knows itself the best. And you should always be listening to that rather than trying to beat the people next to you. Yes, right. it's great to create a race, but it's also great to know your body and to keep it healthy. Sure. Right. And strength standards for for things that are moving quickly in particular, mm-hmm. they're just 
they're really, they're really, uh, there's a, a constant allure there, mm-hmm. but man, they can just be something you beat your head against over and over yeah. again too. I remember I did a, a kettlebell certification where we had to do the snatch test, this classic Russian snatch test, right? Uh, 24 kilos, a hundred times in five minutes. And the first time I had to pass it, I was like, well, I'm just going to, you know, use 24 or something close to it all the time. And I just sort of hit against the same barriers over and over again. Yeah. Second time I did, I said, you know what? going to follow this plan where it's like, it had me going down to 12 kilo, 16 yeah. kilo. And you would do it almost in flights. Like we're going to do, or heats, so you, you know, do three of them with, uh, with 16 kilos. Yeah. And it was so much easier because you just, you can actually do all the reps. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's something that can, can get uh, really easily overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said, not even just weights, but even rep schemes. Um, if I have a workout with 60 pull-ups, my dad's 63 years old. I'm not going to make him do 63 or 60 pull-ups. I'm going to cut it down to maybe 30, maybe it's 40. Mm-hmm. And again, you have that race where we are both accomplishing this work in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. And again, that's where you're going to get results. Is and nobody's walking away feeling defeated. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I never want anyone to ever leave the gym feeling defeated. If you're doing that, then that's on me that I need to change something for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you do you feel like that's getting easier to dial back from that mindset in, in CrossFit? Because, uh, I mean, it's 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 still out there, mm-hmm. definitely. I think it starts with the coaches, and I think coaches need to take full responsibility for what's happening in your class. Um, if you have someone that's stubborn and they're like, no, I'm RXing this, and I'm going to RX it every single day, like, these people are paying you to be coached, not them to tell you what I'm doing. Like, hey, you need to go this, and then you need to give them a reason why. And Tell them what what you're trying to create, the stimulus you're trying to create. And the more you give people a reason why, the more they understand. And that just came from experience with um, coaching at my brother's gym was like, hey, like, let's lighten it up. And you're kind of like, oh, like you're saying I'm not strong, a lot, strong enough. And, and that's exactly what people that's what's going through people's head whenever you tell them that. And I noticed like people were leaving upset after saying stuff like that. And I was like. I wonder why. So I played around with some different things and I was like, okay, let's give them a reason why. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. And then they noticed that their results start going up more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And we come back to that workout. They're good to RX it and they're beating their time that they did when they did it scout. Mm. No, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I, I wonder how much of this sort of mindset you got by watching your brother have to peak every single year for the games yeah. too. I mean, wa- wa- watching him get ready to go out there and do this at the most elite level for most of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what sort of stuff do you feel like you learned from, from that? Now, uh, now that not only as a coach, but as somebody who maybe wanted to get there someday. Oh, he strapped me in with him. I had to do everything really? he did. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that was something I wanted to do. At 17, he's training for the games. And yes, I didn't qualify for the games those three, four years that I trained with him. But I knew what to expect. And I knew exactly how to train and I knew how my body was going to be feeling so that whenever I did qualify for the games, I knew how to train and I knew when to, when to crank it up and when to back off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that he had me do, which is going to help significantly in the future with competing in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked earlier about how CrossFit, you know, meeting all these athletes and they all kind of do some form of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And CrossFit can be a huge umbrella term for a lot of different mo- modalities. Do you find that you are, that the opposite is true, that you bring in things that are not necessarily CrossFit, but you bring it in, like, we we just did an article about how um, bodybuild, like, some of the bodybuilding techniques are starting to bleed back into CrossFit. Yeah. 
to help with kind of specific spot training. She's trying to, to ask if stronger. you do curls. Yes, I do. Yes. I do. I do. I do though. So here's the thing is all these guys that are on the top of the sport right now, they're, they're my brother's age. They're 27 to 30. And when they were 15, 10 to 15, there wasn't CrossFit at the time. Like they were in the gym, they were doing curls through middle school and high right. school and they were able to put on size. And I mean, looking at me, like I, I'm not, I'm not that big like those guys. And I think that's one thing that CrossFit, the movements in CrossFit, they isolate the larger muscle groups. And if you're strictly just sticking to CrossFit, it it's an easy way that you could get hurt if you're not doing those little things like curls, um, just accessory pieces, because building up those little muscles are going to help keep you healthy. Wait, did I just hear you say that bodybuilding could save CrossFit? <laughs> it's CrossFitters. Cross, CrossFitters. Save, your, save your elbows and things like that. It will like keep that, you healthy. Yeah. It will keep you healthy. It will keep you healthy for sure. Um, but I think it, that's CrossFit. Like, I would love to go work with Sean and work on some UFC stuff. Like, like whatever it is, I, I, I want to be able to work with all of these athletes and like take a little bit of like each of their sport and somehow bring it into CrossFit. And I'd love to be able to do the same for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think everything carries over into one thing. Like we're all here for fitness. And the more that we can expand our knowledge in that, the better athletes we can become. Mm -hmm. So so how do, how do you like to mix in that like higher rep kind of if it's called pump work even or yeah. something like that? With, with um, you know, you're like, all right, this is what we have to do today. Mm -hmm. uh, do you put that on a separate day or is it like you do it at the end or you do it to warm up? Where, where do you put pump work? Yeah. So the only challenging thing is when you're doing those things is a lot of the movements in CrossFit require those muscle groups, right. um, the bigger muscle groups. And if I was to do curls and then you told me to go do muscle ups, like it would significantly... Um, I, I would significantly feel that on those muscle-ups and it would make them a lot more challenging, um, which it, it can be good, it can be bad if you're trying to build volume, if you're trying to work on going unbroken. So what I'll do is I'll do those at the end of the day I'm, after I'm done training and before a rest day. That way I have a full day to rest and it's not affecting any of my movements in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to get that in like two days a week. Hmm. Okay, and, and do, you, do you find that you gravitate toward like uh, traditional bodybuilding style rep schemes or do you like, you know, put the BFR bands on and do a rep set of a hundred or what? I change it up. I mean, I try and do it all. And, um, I think that was cool about coming out here this weekend to see these movements that these guys are doing, um, and being able to put more things in your vault to train with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now you went to the games last year as a competitor for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you'd been before, I'm assuming as a spectator or as a yeah. support staff yeah. or something like that. Uh, how, how different was it actually being there as somebody, competing like you're, you're backstage I don't know if there's a backstage area, yeah but you're you know you're preparing with all the other gladiators mm -hmm. you're there on equal footing well the cool thing about that was um every year my brother qualified for the games he always gave me his coaches band so I was always able to go in the back to kind of like and not have to stress about competing but being able to like just sit back and like watch what people are doing like seeing how nervous they are seeing what they're doing to warm up and being able to have that opportunity to go back there and kind of see what it's like and then being able to walk into it. I almost felt like I was going in as a veteran rather than a rookie. Mm -hmm. um, and you could you could tell the difference with people that were there for the first time and people that were there multiple times. Like the, the rookies, they were very nervous and they would almost like try and like isolate themselves. And I think that can, very, that can hurt you a lot in the mm -hmm. sport 
because the more you start to overthink things, the more you start to question, you know, how's my training? Like, what's going to happen out there? Rather than going back there where the veterans are like all talking to each other and they're like laughing and just kind of enjoying it. Um, so whenever I went in there, I was like, hey, like, I'm going to go in there. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helped a lot. Sure. Being able to do that. No, but, and I imagine that gets a lot easier at, once you get a couple <laughs> of events underneath your belt, too. Mm-hmm. That first event or two, though, where there's like, there's the possibility, like, oh my God, I could bomb out of this thing. Oh, I could, I could, com- this could be a complete disaster. <laughs> the first event or two were used a little. So the first, the first two events, I was like, okay, like, it was actually, we did three events that day, four events. So the first one we started with, it was a crit. So it was a 10, um, 10 lap bike. It was on a, I think it was close to a one mile course. And, it was it was like 200 meters long, 100 meters, 200 meters, 100 meters, or I, something crazy like that. It equaled out to um, like a thousand meters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <clears throat> that was that humbled me really quickly because <laughs> these guys came out so fast, and I'm like, do I keep up with them? Are they gonna fall off? I was like, they're gonna fall off. Mm-hmm. No one ever fell off. <laughs> so I was like, okay, got that one under my belt. All right, that's my one bad event. Like everything's uphill from this. So then we went into 30 muscle ups. That went well. And then we had a CrossFit total, which I was able to hit my numbers. And the hard thing about going out in these events is the shorter workouts, you kind of have to like shut your brain off and you you can never enjoy the moment a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, like these events are always so short and like I never get to just like look around and be like, ah, like this is amazing. Here I am. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, later that night, they announced a marathon row. So we had to sit on a rubber for 42,000 meters. It was like Ugh. three hours. Ugh. So I got to soak up every moment with that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that is that something that you had trained for to any great degree? No, it was <laughs> funny because that year I write my goals out of what I want to complete mm-hmm. almost outside of CrossFit. And my goal was to do a marathon. And I wanted to run a marathon. I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. Like, this is going to be the year. <laughs> no, you're going you're gonna to pull a marathon. You're going <laughs> to yeah. sit there and you're going to pull yeah. a handle and row a marathon. And so I ended up marking it off and kind of that. Well, that's what's so interesting. Every CrossFit athlete that we talked to who's gone to the games, it, it almost seems like the way that the CrossFit gods conspire, your one thing you don't want to do always comes up. So was there, for you, was there like one thing you're like, please, please not this, anything but this, anything but this? Yeah, it was, it was the event before that. It was a CrossFit total, um, oh. deadlift, um, strict press, and back squat. And I love squatting, so I was cool with a back squat. But then there was a strict press and a deadlift. And, like, I, w- I like to call that man strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that just comes with a lot of age and a lot of size. So there are movements that I do, but I struggle with. Mm. So I was, like, super nervous about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, out of everything, like, why can't we, like, snatch or clean and jerk? It's something fun like that, like, super quick. Um, so we get out there. I got through the back squats. I hit my numbers. And then I get out there for the strict press. And you had three attempts. And once you tossed weight on, you couldn't take it off. You either hit it or you didn't. And if you didn't make any um, successful lifts, then you were cut from the competition. So I was like, okay, mm. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play this super safe. And I came out of like a 155 strict press. I was like, you can't butch this. And um, I get out there and I hit it. And I was like, all right, I got one under the belt. I rack it. She goes, no rep. I'm like, what? She goes, you push pressed it. I was like, mm. oh, no. I was like, I got two more attempts to make this right. So I ended up making the second attempt, and then it was all safe from there. But, yeah, it was probably the more of the CrossFit total with this. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I actually I actually watched that part of the CrossFit Games, I think. 
And there were a lot of people struggling with that. Yeah. I mean, a strict press is it's just not something that a lot of people train mm-hmm. um, and have in their mind what a number is. What, yeah. what is my opener on the strict press? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm thinking like, you have to at least hit your body weight. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what a lot of people came out and hit their body weight before. And then they were able to move up from there and again, just get one under the belt. Hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to get back to this this rowing marathon a little bit though. Um, I, I I imagine just in terms of the sheer volume that, that that could be kind of a shock to your body. Like the entire games, yeah, obviously are a shock to your body and an incredible recovery challenge. Yeah, but that one seems like it has it could have a pretty unique ability to be both an an unreal amount of muscle damage and soreness. Yeah. And just systemic shock. Yeah, and I think that was what he was trying to create. Um, so I was thinking about it, and I was like. What what are most people going to row on their like for their five hundred meter split? And I was like, two minutes sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what can I bring that damper down to, which is the resistance? You can go one to ten, and be able to hold that. And I would crank the damper all the way down to one. So there was no resistance in the chain. I was pulling a little more often, uh, but it didn't affect my arms and my pull nearly as much. Um, and then you had other people out there that were rowing on like a seven to a ten in. Like, their arms just blew up and then they just ended up falling off the rest of the weekend. Um, so I think that helped a lot, but going out there, I was like, there was three things. We had a basket. We could fill up. There was three things. I put in water bottles, like four or five water bottles. I was like, I'll drink water, um, a carb drink, and then pickle juice in case I cramped. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm out on the floor and I see these guys, they have sour patch kids. They have all these candies with them. I'm like, what the heck do these guys have candy for? And like, I found out really quick, (laughs) I made it through the first um, 32,000 meters. And I was like, I was sitting in a decent place and I hit that last 10,000 meters. And I mean, I hit it hard. Bonked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my body just started to shut down. Like my eyes were like rolling to the back of my head. And I look over at my girlfriend, she was sitting in the bleachers and I could see her and she's like, bro. I was like, (laughs) can you go give me some food? (laughs) Is she allowed to do that? No. no I didn't think so. <laughs> but she did. So you, all you had was your little basket. Like they're simulating like you're in an actual yeah. boat basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I went through all of that within 20,000 meters and I was, I had nothing else. No and, water, no oh, anything. No. no. Wow. And I just hit a wall in the last 10,000 meters and I went from rowing a two minute 500 meter uh, split to rowing like a 230, which is like mm-hmm. significant. crawling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So that ended up being my, I think, my close to my worst finish there. Um, but I think that was just something that I wasn't thinking about mm-hmm. going into that. Mm. Yeah. So how did you how did you manage the just not only the, the the work and figuring out how to come back, but the recovery in between them? Like that is the ultimate challenge of the games. You're doing this for days. I love that the most, though, because I'm like one of the youngest competitors there. So I feel like my body recovers pretty quickly. And I know if I'm hurting, I know like these guys are hurting just as right. much, if not more. Um, so then it just becomes of who's able to push through that and um, still move quickly. In yeah, the it's a mental game at that point mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. So speaking of nutrition, now I don't know that CrossFit has any kind of official affiliation with a nutrition dogma yeah. currently, but what – so obviously you learned something – in the games with the gummy bears or the gummy, yeah. <laughs> the gummy candy. Eat candy? Is that um, what he learned? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> I was like, so that's a, that's a good what, What's your take on eating for CrossFit? Because obviously, like, bodybuilding has a very specific way of eating. Yeah. Powerlifting has a very specific way of eating. What what kind of is your take on yeah. how to eat for optimal CrossFit, CrossFit 
So my thought was you're working out initially. My thought was you're working out so much you can eat whatever you want. Ah. So like, I was like, okay, like this is <laughs> this is good. Um, and I found that out after the games really quick. So I ended up working with a company um, on my nutrition, and we were able to kind of like dial back on like what I what I need more in my diet and what I what I can take out. So we went through some. Um, sensitivity test and some blood tests to see like my genetics on like what I'm kind of allergic to, like what my body can consume and then like what will cause a little bit of inflammation in my body. Um, So I was able to take that and change my diet around just a little bit. And I think everybody's completely different. So like mine was, um, I have, I don't want to say an allergy, but my body doesn't agree with dairy nearly as much. And like I was eating like six to seven eggs a day, like drinking close to like a gallon of whole milk in a day. And my body was just like, it felt heavy and like I was really sore. And like, I think it was just creating a lot of inflammation in my body. So I was able to cut some of that out a little bit. Again, I still love it. So like I'll put it in here or there, but like not nearly as much. Um, So I think it's important for people to find what works best for them. That's interesting that you zeroed in on like food sensitivities and inflammation. And does that carry out into kind of your, what Nick was talking about, your between workout recovery prep? Do you focus on that same kind of approach? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in between, I was just doing like a shake um, and I wasn't getting nearly as many carbs in. So I ended up doing like a carb drink in between my workouts um, and then a little bit of protein, but more of being able to get those carbs and sugars in. That way I'm like ready to roll for the next workout. Rather like if I had a shake, I'm like, I'm ready for a nap. (laughs) (laughs) So other than the um, not having candy, in your basket. Was there ever a time when you ate something that just did not help you in any way for CrossFit? Oh, um, any type of like, I would do like, like squeeze packs, mm-hmm. but like, I'd feel like very like, almost like acid. And like, I'd feel like I'd want to like throw up. So I did like three of those squeeze packs before one of the games. Like fruit workouts. squeeze packs or yeah. like gels? No, like a fruit squeeze pack. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up like doing three of them because I didn't like baby uh, food is what you're talking baby, about. I, 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 it was baby <laughs> yeah. food. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I'm like the little thing that I give to my niece. I have one in my yeah. bag right now. Baby <laughs> food. I love it, but it's it's easy to have in between workouts, and that's what I was doing in training because whenever you're doing so much volume, it's so hard to eat any type of food, especially out there. So it's like you're trying to like force feed yourself. But when you have a quick turnover on a workout like that, you need to get something in your body. So I did like two or three squeeze packs. And, like, I thought I was just going to throw up the entire time. So, like, no more of that. I need to give myself at least an hour before that. Mm -hmm. Now, is there something that you know you can take right before and you'll be fine? I can drink anything. Okay. So I'll do, like, a carb drink. Okay. Hmm. So now you were a small guy for a long time. You're still not large compared to, say, Matt Frazier and those behemoths, right? Um, I'll say Rich Froning. (laughs) Exactly. But, I mean – you're listed at about 180. Yeah. Some of those guys are definitely bigger than you. Yeah. I was wondering how you how you kind of went about finding the perfect weight for you. Yeah. And everyone's completely different. Um, my older brother, I think he was like 195 at the games his first couple of years. But you also have to look on look at what that weight is doing to affect movement. So right. like you weigh more, your gymnastics is gonna struggle a little bit. And if you weigh less, you might struggle in your weightlifting a little bit. Um, so I think it's just a matter of finding that happy balance of like what you can move at. Like I tried to get up to like 185 and like couldn't do, str- I, I don't want to say I couldn't do strict handstand pushups, but I noticed that I was like splitting my gymnastics up a lot more. But like 
I, I decided I'm just going to embrace being a smaller athlete, focus on being able to move through those gymnastics and be as strong as I can for my size. And you're seeing cross the CrossFit games move a little more away from like heavy barbells in a workout. Um, so when you see heavy barbells in a workout, like yes, size on your side will, will definitely help you out. Um, but I felt like I looked at the last two to three years and I haven't seen that nearly as much. So I was like, hey, like I haven't seen it for three years. Like chances are like it might not come up this year and that could be just a risk you're taking with your um, training in your body. So I was like, I'm just going to keep it low and focus on my gymnastics and lift what I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when people come to you and say like, okay, I, I enjoy this. I want to get better at CrossFit. How much bigger do I need to get? And how do I get bigger? Mm-hmm. How do you coach them through yeah. that? And that was something like my first year when I qualified for regionals, I weighed 155 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I was like the smallest dude there. Like I had people coming up to me. They're like, you're too tiny to be out here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I did. I proved myself. I'm here. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I, I think a lot of it comes with like younger younger athletes. They're constantly asking me those questions of how do I put size on? Like, I want to increase my lifts. But it's not a matter of size. It's a matter of dialing in on your technique. Because whenever you're small and you try and lift too much, and, and I've done it, it's just trial and error. Like, you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You're going to put yourself in positions that your body's not ready for. Like, I was I was trying to keep up with Scott in back squats, and my body wasn't ready for it. I mean, I was able to successfully successfully lift it, but, like, how did it look? And I would be bottoming out. My back might come up a little bit. And he pulled me aside and he's like, hey, like, you're like, it's amazing that you're able to do this for your body. But I I think that's the most like your body is capable of lifting. Um, And let's dial it back. Let's focus maybe on some more reps at a lower weight and focus more on quality. And that helped me out so much. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So so as you maybe did you decide like all right i am going to get a little bit bigger at some point then though it just it just happened okay it just happened yeah but you start eating more and just do the same training and Mm -hmm. you just start growing yeah yeah and again it was through efficiency (laughs) in the movements and that's the biggest thing with crossfit like you move efficiently you're going the longevity in the sport's going to be a lot longer now you move inefficiently you're going to tweak a shoulder you might be out two, three weeks, like maybe not, maybe not surgery or anything, but like you might be avoiding movements because of it. And the more you're doing that, the more it's going to hinder, um, how far you're going to go in it. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. CrossFit is not a forgiving sport. I feel like it naturally will, mm-hmm. you will find what the ideal place for your mm-hmm. body to be in. And it's not going to let you carry and, extra weight. And you or- can see it a lot in uh, the younger kids. So like, I, I like to try and like reach out and talk to them as much as I can because they have so many questions and, you know, I was lucky enough to have guidance from my older brother of like having the eyes of, you know, where we need to be at in a workout, what you need to be lifting for your age. Mm-hmm. And so many of these younger athletes are coming up and they're, they get a lot of hype because it's like, oh, they're beating these guys as times. They're lifting as much as these guys. But what is that doing to their body? Is their body really ready for that? And, um, my brother always told me, as soon as you can buy alcohol and you look like you can buy alcohol, you're going to be ready to go to the CrossFit game. So like 17, 18, I'm like, am I getting a beard yet? Like, can I go to the <laughs> liquor store? <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as I turned 21, that was my first year at the 22, 22, but well, 21 into 22. Um, 
that was my first year going to the games, and I was able to go in and buy some alcohol. For I was going to say, did, did, at the end of the games, what did, what did you want? You're like, oh, God, I want a beer, or I want some Sour Patch Kids. I wanted pizza and sleep. <laughs> Two very good things. Now, what's these guys are coming to you with questions. What's like the number one question that you get asked or the flip side of that, what's the number one thing that you kind of find yourself repeating over and over? I just, I, I want to tell them like, let me help you. Um, I like, let me, let me, maybe I'm programming for you. Maybe I'm giving you guidance. And I know a lot of these guys have coaches and I would never want to step on anyone else's feet, but a lot of these coaches don't understand that. Um, some of these coaches are like, Hey, like this kid's getting a lot of hype. Like he's going to be really good. And then they end up just falling off. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't understand what's, what toll that is taking on their body. And I've talked to some teens and they're like, I'm just burnt out. Like, and they're, and they're stepping away from it. And I want to be able to talk to these guys and be like, Hey, like focus on quality over weight in your workouts mm-hmm. or focus on efficiency rather than your speed and take the time of just stepping back, shut the clock off for a day or shut it off for a full week and just focus on just moving well in absolutely everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's refreshing to hear you say, well, not refreshing because obviously you're an elite level athlete and you never get to that point, not understanding how to listen to your body. But one of the main criticisms of the CrossFit is that if you do it wrong, you're going to really hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And so hearing you say, it's okay not to RX. It's okay to pull it back and dial it back. I push, I I like to think I push people to cut it back and I want them to push me to, to up it and for them to show me that you earn it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be like, Hey, like I crushed that work and I put up the best time. Like you think next time I can go a little heavier or like you think I can up the reps a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, like you crushed it. Like you beat everyone in the class. You moved well and everything. Let's crank it up a little bit mm. next time. Mm. And being able to have that push pull, I, I think it creates, they, they invest a little more in what they're doing. Mm. See, I, I feel like there are a couple of really cool article opportunities here that we could pursue too. Like I think a, a guide for teenagers yeah. to CrossFit, it would just be a fantastic thing to have out there. And also just, I mean, there, there are guidelines out there for scaling, but you seem like you have a really good approach to that. So yeah. mark it down. We're going to have this man contribute <laughs> to bodybuilding.com. And, and what I'd like to see, and you're kind of hinting at it, and let me know what you think of this. I've always believed that there's two kinds of CrossFit athlete. There's a, a physically strong CrossFit athlete, and there's a mentally strong CrossFit athlete. Mm-hmm. And if you put the two of them head to head, nine times out of 10, do you know who's going to win? Mental. That's right. 100%. And what I'm hearing you say is part of this whole stepping back, dialing it back is to avoid that kind of mental burnout. So you'd be interested in the the teenager's guide to CrossFit. Yeah. Physically, I'd be interested in the teenagers, like how to train for CrossFit mentally. Yeah. And like everything that these teenagers are doing, everybody should be doing it. You know what I mean? Like, but, but specifically the teenagers, just because their bodies are still growing in like I've seen 16-year-olds with full beards. Like, they look like they could be in their 30s. <laughs> Matt Jr. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And um, But no matter what, like, you're still young. Like, your body is still growing until I'd say – I mean, my body's still growing. At, like, mm-hmm. tw- I just turned 23. Like, I'd say until I'm 25, 26. Like, they technically say, like, 25 to, like, 29 is, like, your prime in CrossFit. Like, your body is still growing. So, like, there's even days now where I'm like, I want to go this way, but I know, like – it's not going to end well. If I do that, like I might start to break down in my form a little bit. So like find that weight where I'm able to cycle it a little bit and move well and get a good workout in. Mm. Okay. So now, even though you're dialing it back and even though you listen to your body, what does the 19th fittest man in the world do between CrossFit games? 
Yeah. Like between like, what's your, what's your off season? What's so, your prep? Um, that's changed so much over the last year and a half. So I looked at it as, um, I can't go out. I can't enjoy my time with my friends. Like if I'm going out and maybe I'm drinking or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just staying out late, like whatever it is, like I'm in trouble. Like it's, it's setting me back, but like the mental side, like if you're not enjoying yourself, like mentally, like you're going to burn out. So like, I noticed like the first couple of years I got into it, I was like so invested. I'm like, no, like senior year of high school, like I didn't go out and I didn't, I didn't enjoy myself with my friends, but like I was in the gym, like grinding at night while these guys were out at parties and mm-hmm. enjoying themselves. And I think, I think that's good, but I also think it can hurt you a little bit. And, and I would never take any of that back because it got me to where I am. But I also think there are some times where I'd be like, Hey, like, you know, I might get up a little earlier. I'm going to go get my workouts in and then I'm going to go and dream myself and smile, laugh and have some fun with my friends. Um, and that was one thing I changed this year and this off season was I didn't spend nearly as much time in the gym, like just working. Um, I spent more time with my friends, enjoying myself, laughing, like having conversations with my members in the gym of like what they do, if they want to go out and maybe play a round of nine holes or whatever it is, like go out and enjoy yourself a little bit. And, um, CrossFit is playing, um, they say play as many sports as you can and get it, get, put yourself in different positions. Um, and that's one thing that I really changed this year was just getting out and not spending as much time, like in four walls sure. just by myself. No, and have you felt like it's paid off competitively this yeah. year for you as well? Yes. I felt like, Mentally, I went into all of these competitions with a little more fire and, you know, I was ready to go and like, I wasn't nearly as burned out. Like, oh, I know exactly what this workout's going to feel like and it's going to hurt. Like mm-hmm. I, any, anyone beside me that's saying that I'm like, Hey, listen, like we're going to go out there. We're going to crush this. We're going to enjoy it. Uh, and I'm going to kick your butt. Or, and then like, we just mess around a little bit. Um, and it's great having my twin brother to do that too, because, um, we have the same beliefs. So like, we really try and keep the mood light while all these other guys are like, what's going to happen? Like, this is going to be really hard. And we're just like, oh, no, this is going to be a lot of fun. Like, it's going to hurt, though, but it's going to be fun. Um, so, yeah, I think that really helped going into a lot of these competitions. Hmm. And, and you've done a lot of competitions this year. I was looking at it. You this did, was the most I've ever done. Did the Granite Games Championship recently. You did cross, uh, uh, Brazil. Brazil, Wadapalooza, and then the CrossFit Open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then potentially Paris, which is coming up. Okay. So what was, what was it like uh, in, uh, in, in Brazil? How different was that? I was like... I was like, I don't know what to expect right. out there. Like, I don't, I, I don't leave the country Would too be often. Different com- priorities competitively, or yeah. Brazil is absolutely amazing. Um, the atmosphere down there was; these people invested in their athletes, and they were down there to watch a show. And some of these other competitions, whenever you have, I think some of them have like twenty-eight to thirty different divisions, like. CrossFit can be a very selfish sport, which I think is great. Like everyone's in it for themselves to like be better. Um, but I also think that's like the average side of like the CrossFit. Like, hey, like I'm going out to do my first competition. Then you have your elite side. And I think those are two different extremes. And whenever you're trying to compare the two, you can't really do that. Um, so when we went down to Brazil, they had 15 individual men, 15 individual women. And then they had, or I'm sorry, 30 men, 30 women, 15 teams. And that was it. Like there was no other divisions and they sold that arena out 
And it was like, no one was there competing. These other competitions I went to, like anyone that was there was there to compete. Mm -hmm. So they didn't care to like watch anyone. They didn't invest in anyone, um, which is totally fine. But when we were down in Brazil, people were there for you and they were just excited to watch you work out and have the opportunity to meet you. So being able to get outside the country and just like um, build up a whole new base of people that you can um, communicate with and talk and get to know, I think was absolutely amazing. Cool, cool. And competitively, was it... Did it feel familiar or were you asked to do anything crazy? I felt like it was just as good as the games. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, it was the way they ran it um, from an athlete point. They really cared about us. They took care of us. um, And just the feel was just as important as the games. Rather, some of these other ones, you have big heats of like 20 to 30. It's like. If, if you're looking left, you're looking right, like you're going to be in trouble. Um, and it was it was focused on more moving people through quickly, which, again, totally fine because I think it's giving more people the opportunity to compete. Um, but being able to do this, you know, you have a heat of eight people in it. And it's like I can see absolutely everyone here, everyone here, and I can see if I'm winning, if I'm losing, and kind of where you're at, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so what's next for you then? Uh, how have you found the the new standards uh, competitively to, to navigate for you. And are you, are you headed back to the games? Um, so goal is Paris and then kind of see what happens with that. Um, there's going to be a lot of different opportunities coming up this year. Um, so we have the option to go to Paris and then the games will be after that. And then they're going to change the whole year of for next year's season. And the open will start in October. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you'll have 28 different events that you can go to from October until July for next season. Mm. Okay, well, thanks so much for coming and talking with us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, Yeah, so so where do people find you online if they want to track you like those Brazilians did, Saxon? Um, Saxon (laughs) underscore Panchik. So you can look me up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Instagram's the best one for you? Instagram's the best one. (laughs) Instagram's it. Cool. Oh, I had had one more question. So, um, you know, there's like the Memorial Day workout that everybody is Murph and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, we recently cooked up a 4th of July workout here. Yeah. I wanted to run it run it by you. Just see like yeah. what you thought of it as somebody who's seen a million different workouts yeah, in your life now. Definitely. What do you think about just 76 thrusters for time with whatever implement you can handle? Uh, that would be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, hey, I don't I don't have a barbell. There's there could be there of course there's the RX version, yeah. but it could just be, you know, just something about that that so it's so simple. That's what so we like about. Mm-hmm. Hey, those are the ones you gotta watch out for. Those are the yeah. ones that will creep up on you and be mm-hmm. like, oh, what, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> would would you if if that if somebody offered that up and said, "This is the Fourth of July workout I read about on Bodybuilding.com. Do you think I should do it?" Yeah. Oh my God! Don't do that shit. Oh, I, I encourage <laughs> I encourage people to do, just try CrossFit uh-huh. um, and just give it an opportunity and um, see what you think. You might say you hate it, but you, deep down, I know you love it because it's putting you in positions that you don't want to be in. For sure. Cool. Well, Saxon Panchik, thank you so much for coming and talking with thank us. Thank you. Thank you.